Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Hey, listeners, welcome back to the podcast. This week, Misty and I are here to talk about the power of silence in a very, very noisy world. Hi, Misty. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for coming and chatting with me. Um, I love silence. (laughs) That phrase, the silence is deafening can be so true too, right? I'm I'm with you. I love silence. And then sometimes it's like, wow, the silence is is really potent, you know? Oh, I work in a library. Don't forget. So, and I'm the only employee. So there are sometimes for the most part, I love it, but there are sometimes I'm like, wow, like I hear everything right now. (laughs) Is there anyone there with you now or no, there? No, no, it's it's just me. I usually um, record before we open in the morning. Yeah. Just me and the books and the fish and the fish. How many people come in like at any given point during the day? We have about I don't know, 50 patrons a day um, total. Sometimes it gets, you know, really rushy after school. Of course, all like the junior high sixth graders come in and they do their little mingling and it's cute. It's like I foster like the after school hangout. (laughs) I love it. But, um, but yeah, it's a small library, so we don't have a lot of patrons, but in the summertime, we have around a hundred, but a lot of those are tourists that are coming to see the building. Yes. Yeah. But it it is a very, everyone says when they come, how much they love the silence and how much they love the quiet and outside, you know, we have like dirt roads and stuff and louder vehicle trucks and things like that. And so when you come in, it's like a nice little sealed off bubble. And I think it's what you said. The world outside is so busy and so loud and it's very rare. I mean, we listen to podcasts. We, you know, listen to audiobooks when we're in the car. We're talking to someone in the car because we're calling them on Bluetooth. You know, very rarely do you just, you know, sit in the silence. And I think when people come in, they're like, hmm. yeah, they feel it. They mm-hmm. feel it. There's um there's a book I'm about halfway through reading. I think maybe I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's called Golden. Um and it's it's two journalists who did just so much incredible research on the power of silence. And what's so interesting in this book is they talk about a number of different cases where people have had head injuries um, and how they've measured their healing in a noisy environment, like in a hospital, you know, you've been in a hospital before, how incredibly overwhelmingly noisy it is and how they're bothering you all the time instead of combining their visits. There's these beeps and alarms and nurses. Um, And then the people who were able to have more silence healing from head injuries and how the people in silence, because there was less input into the brain healed like light years faster than the people who were um, deeply stressed out unconsciously in the nervous system from, from noise, which I thought was so interesting. Wow. That's like your brain saying, I need quiet to heal. Yes. Wow. Totally. Because noise, you know, 
everything can be in the category of noise, right? But it's something that your, your brain and body have to process. It's something that's coming in through your senses and you have to process it. And when there's no quiet, which happens to so many people in their lives, especially um, people in uh, maybe more dangerous neighborhoods, for example, it's never quiet there. Their stress levels are higher because the body has to process that noise. It doesn't just happen in a vacuum with no effect. So interesting. You know, ever since we've been doing this podcast, you have talked about um, being an only child and how when your house starts to vibrate and everyone gets really loud, you kind of start. So I didn't, I don't, I don't ever see myself in my head as growing up an only child. I have a half brother and I had a lot of people that were in my home, but the truth is I really was an only child. I kind of grew up that way. And you've helped me know that I'm actually not angry when all that's happening. Cause I kind of feel angry. I'm just overstimulated and the noise is causing me to really honestly make poor decisions, you know, yell or be grumpy or, or snap at somebody. And, um, it's really helped me to remember like, that's not natural for my body. That's not, cause there's a lot of people, like I have friends that have six brothers and sisters and like, I'm serious. Like people, I'm like, how are you not going crazy right now with that noise? And so it's like, kind of like your environment. And I've had to learn to remind myself it's okay. You're not angry. This is all the things going on around you. You need to kind of step away. And I usually do have to step away, like just to kind of like balance it out and the silence. And quite honestly, sometimes I sit in my car because you know how your car is like perfectly still. There's no Mm -hmm. birds or anything like that. Um, Sometimes I go and sit in the car and just shut the door, kind of get back to a place of like, okay, because, you know, kids and life and dogs and all are loud. (laughs) It's so loud. And yeah, I think that's a really important point that, you know, so much we know now, so much of who we are is, was wired in childhood, you know, everything from how we parent to how we feel in the world to our capacity for noise. I mean, everything was wired back then. And, and sometimes those of us who might feel more sensitive to like a lot of activity and noise, we're like, why am I so sensitive? But really we're just overwhelmed because we didn't grow up with a bunch of activity around us, you know? And then the people who maybe grew up with six brothers and sisters might be really uncomfortable alone in the quiet. Right. And, and just remembering that there's nothing wrong with you. If that's you, it's just how you grew up. And, and I like to call it a growing edge, you know, like I could probably increase my tolerance for, for noise. Right. And then other people can maybe increase their tolerance for quiet and silence. Well, I just never, I mean, like I said, I never really dug deep into why concerts have never been my jam. I don't, it's so loud and, um, overwhelming. I remember being in college and like going to clubs and stuff and like dancing by the big speakers and being like dying and everybody else looked like they were having fun. (laughs) And now I attribute it to, you're absolutely right. I just didn't grow up in a home that was loud like that. And it still vibrates me in a different way. Yeah. And so silence is like, really, I, I, most of the time, do you listen to anything in the car anymore? Or do you find yourself leaning into the silence in the car? I go through phases, you know, I used to listen to music actually really loud in the car. And that was one of the things about becoming a mom that I mourned was like, it was like my own little club in my car. (laughs) So, 
uh, I'm kind of in a place where I'm not listening to a lot of podcasts or anything right now. I'm just kind of full. I feel like full in my brain. Um, and so I'm, I'm listening to music again and it's been really great, but, um, I also balance that with nothing, listening to nothing. You know, I definitely don't listen to the news anymore in the car. I used to listen to NPR every day and I just don't, I don't want, I don't want to know. I find my news when I need it, where I need it. And I don't need it streaming in my ear anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really glad we, because of where we live in the mountains to get to the other side of the mountain, you lose complete cell service. No one can call you. You can't listen to anything. So it's like a forced silence, but it's wonderful. So I'll usually listen to like an audio book for like 20 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, here comes my silence. Um, nice. So it's been nice to balance it. Cause that's really now the only time I'm in the car, but then my silence comes from work and And it's funny because I am finding again, all back to the childhood. I think the reason I love being um, the library director is it's a place of serenity and silence. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's a good mindful practice, right? To know, like the question you asked me about the car, you know, if I was always listening to something in the car, can I just be quiet and silent and present instead and just balance that out? Or, um, you know, if it's always quiet around you, do you need a little lift from music or some inspiration from a podcast? It's like, it's like finding that balance or maybe it's not even the word balance. I'm kind of, I'm kind of over that word. Maybe it's like meeting what's needed in the moment. I was just about to say, how do I feel right now? Yeah. And that's kind of, I, I, told you before, that's kind of how I assess my mornings. Like, what am I going to do? I used to be really regimented, like today I'm doing yoga, tomorrow I'm doing a hike. And then suddenly somewhere along the way I broke out and I just started saying like, what do I feel like right now? And some mornings it's like, you know what? I kind of want to read and journal and drink some coffee. And that's the extent of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't beat myself up about it. And I think that knowing and kind of just being open, like you said, that's a really good mindful practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Definitely. So tell me, um, so Lauren, the reason this sparked was Lauren just recently did a silence. What do you call it? A silence retreat? Yeah. Just a silent meditation retreat for a week. Oh, so cool for a week guys. Okay. So that whole thing sparked. Cause I was like, I haven't heard about it yet. So I want to hear about it. So yeah. tell us about it. So I did, these are, I did these from home. Okay. So I did one in November of 2020, um, from home through insight LA, it was all over zoom. There was like 200 people in the retreat. And the one in November was like one of the best experiences of my life. I just couldn't wait to do it again. It was so great. Okay. This one I did like two weeks ago was not that (laughs) it was, (laughs) A lot harder. I realized mm. November, 2020, there wasn't much going on. It was during stay at home orders and all of that. Um, and life is really different now. So I think that was yeah. the main thing. Um, but you know, it was a silent, I call it a silent ish retreat. So my kids were at school all day. Um, I was able to do it for the most part all day and then talk to them at night. Like I wasn't totally in noble silence. And even the teachers were like, you know, decide what silence means to you. Is it 80% quiet, 20% talking, like be realistic. Like they, they're really not into rigidity with these practices, which I so appreciate. They were just really right. I thought it was going to be more rigid. Yeah. They are so allowing and kind and compassionate and friendly. Like it's, 
really blowing me away and kind of changing my approach to everything, how, how unrigid they are. I was really, really surprised and and inspired. Um, And, you know, it was hard. The meditations were hard. Some of them were 45 minutes long, many times a day. I mean, I could have sat as early as seven in the morning until 10 o'clock at night through different practices. And they did some talks, some lectures, um, silent meals, walking meditation, lying down. Um, it's, this is going to sound weird to somebody who's never done it. If you've done it, you'll, you'll get it. But these retreats are like up there with some of the hardest things I've ever done. I, I mean, it, it sounds like what could be hard, you know, no, but no, think about all the people out there that avoid yoga just because they don't want to spend the five minutes right. on their mat where they're not doing anything. And there's a lot of people that do that. Cause I, when I talk to people, they're like, oh, I can't sit still. That's the, you know, and I know you yep. hear that too. And so, yeah, I would totally think that I purposely haven't done one because it sounds so hard. So I'm, hard. I'm so inspired by you though. And it makes me feel really good to hear that they weren't so rigid um, because I'm bringing that to my practice and my teachings too, is, you know, there's life is there's already rules out there and stuff like this is your life. Be less rigid about it and your body and um, accept yeah. life as it comes. Just like you were saying, like talking to my kids, that's important to me. That's now if we're yelling at each other and are breaking up fights, that's not important to me. Um, and, but I, I like how you mm-hmm. did yours, like kind of an 80, 20 almost. Yeah. You know, I'm finding it's, it's exactly what you said. Like, I mean, a cornerstone of mindfulness practice is compassion. And there's not a lot of room for compassion in rigidity and control, you know? And so, and, and in this world, like you said, where, where people are so hard on themselves, we don't want to use the practice as one more way to, to control and be hard and judge ourselves because that is not compassion practice. That's not mindfulness. Um, I'm teaching my first day long retreat meditation retreat this Sunday, and I'm so excited about it. And, um, you know, everyone's like pretty nervous. We're we're gathering in person out in a farm in Weatherford, Texas. And, um, I'm nervous because I've never taught an all day retreat, but it's, uh, yeah. I mean, what I'm going to talk about mostly is being kind to yourself. Like what a novel mind blowing concept that, I don't think we practice nearly enough being kind yeah. to ourselves. I agree. Oh, I, I, te- I preach it in my classes nonstop. I feel like I'm preaching about it, about, you know, <clears throat> I feel like Instagram and social media in general have just changed the perception of mindfulness and meditation and yoga. And it kind of lean this way of like, wear this certain thing and sit on this certain cushion and, you know, do it at a certain time of day. And I am really breaking free of all of that. Like I, a funny thing I always say is, you know what? I know a lot of yogis that would yell at me, but if you want to wear your socks in my class, you wear your socks. Like we're breaking rules around here. And it's kind of the same thing with your mindfulness practice or your yoga practice, you know, like you got to do what feels good for you. And probably if I had to guess the silence won't feel good at first, but once you come to like learn of the benefits of the silence and I mean, when I walk in the morning and it's so, so quiet, so, so quiet, I am the most creative I am all day. And it makes me really mad because my hands are frozen and I can't 
type anything. So just as I had to stay in my head and then I quickly come home and like jot some things in my journal that I thought about, you know, but it's, it's the silence and the being with myself. And sometimes there's times I start thinking about things that maybe don't benefit me. You know, they don't support my well care. I'm in a practice of telling myself, Hey, hello. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. We're going to be kind to ourselves. And I'm in a practice seriously for like two years of internally talking to myself, like my friend would just like what you were saying and practicing compassion and not being so rigid with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you only get a chance to practice that because you give yourself time and space to do it. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, I really feel like the solution to any problem we have is there. If we just actually move our body a little bit. Like I love that you walk in silence because we can sit in silence and kind of open up to a question or we can move around a little bit, like take a walk without our phone um, and just allow space for the answers to bubble up. Because when we have our nose and our phone all the time, there is no mental space. There's no room for inspiration, for answers, for creativity, for for all the wonderful things our brain can do if we're constantly distracted and have input through our ears and our eyes and even our mouth. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, silence is not a, a nothing thing. Like silence to me is a, is a really awake and active state. You know, it's yeah. not just like sitting down and doing nothing. It's, no. it's actually like, to me, silence is highly interactive, highly inspirational. It's um, I crave silence. not passive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I crave silence. I'm, there's a really great feeling like when, you know, it's really, really loud and you like close a door behind you and then it kind of goes quieter. Like to me, that's like, ah, but I know that bothers some people. And so if you're out there and that's you and silence is really difficult for you, I would kind of start what Lauren said, you know, finding your little balance and seeing what bubbles up during those times of silence. Um, and you might find that it's creativity, which is really cool. Cause guys for years, for years, like 40, I used to say that I wasn't a creative person. I am very creative. I just was always so busy and doing stuff and filling that space and that silence with other things that I didn't have room to just be creative. Mm. And that's where I really feel like I kind of like unlocked a little like, Oh, okay. There's a lot of stuff in there. I just kind of like gerbil through it, you know, and pick out the really good parts. It's like, maybe you've heard this, like we've become human doings instead of human beings. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so interesting. And and even if you are someone who's like, I can't sit still, I can't stand the silence. I'm going to, I'm going to gently and so lovingly challenge that a little bit, because while that totally is your truth and your reality, going back to that conversation about um, how much silence can heal the body and the brain and the nervous system, you know, so if, if for any reason doing it for that, giving your your nervous system, a break from the constant, incessant, like unreal input that it processes. Um, because in that place, when the body moves down to rest and digest instead of fight or flight, only in rest and digest, does any healing happen? Zero healing happens in fight or flight. And so for our longevity, we have to, we have to come to that kind of closer to the ground place 
um, which doesn't happen when we are like stuck in the speed trap, you know? Yeah. I think that is a wonderful way to end today because it sounds like everyone's challenge is to find some silence. And like me, sometimes um, you might be in like a busy house or something and it might be really hard. Go outside, just go outside. Nature's always your friend or your car, <laughs> if you can get in your car. But finding the silence will help you be a more mindful person. I feel like that's what it's done for me. And I hope that us sharing it today will inspire you to turn the podcast off after this. Thanks for listening and get some silence. Thanks, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast, and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.